Hey everyone, we're back! Episode 100, Past Lives and the Divine. I am your host, Gina, and this is the podcast where we talk about all kinds of things in the vein of past lives and the divine. The divine out there, the divine inside each and every single one of us, even if it doesn't seem like it some days. <laughs> it's true, and I've seen it, and I'm reminding myself of it. It is good to be back. I would love it if you shared this podcast with a friend, if you are excited. Maybe it's your favorite episode. Maybe it's the first episode that got you into this podcast. Share it with a friend. I would love it if you did that. And you could do it as like a, hey, congratulations, Gina. You have done 100 episodes of free content. I would really appreciate it. Let's get more freaky people in this universe. So yeah, I had a three month break on the podcast. Thanks for waiting. Thanks for coming back. Uh, I am really excited for what I have in store for you for the rest of the year. My plan is to post a podcast episode a week every Friday and maybe even once in a while do two on a Friday. We'll see. We'll see how much space I have. I kind of have a lot of things going on. So taking a three-month break from the podcast was amazing and fucking super needed uh, because now I am really excited to be back and I have so many good ideas of, of uh, things to bring you. Of course, I'm going to continue to bring you uh, recordings of past life regressions, my own, my clients who are okay with it. I want to talk more to clients about their past life regressions, doing some integration episodes. I have some of those coming. I got asked actually more than a few people were like, episode 100, what are you going to do? And I think that's great. Episode 100. I almost cannot fucking believe it. What have I been talking about for 100 episodes? That's like hundreds of hours. <laughs> but I I don't know. I guess I honor it. I honor the work I do. I try to be nice to myself every day. And I don't know if that's why or if I'm just someone who is like a kind of forced celebration things make me feel weird. Like I don't know. Now that I feel like I should do something, I don't know what to do and I'm not great at event planning, all of it. So this is my fucking 100 episode celebration. <laughs> we all came back. Hallelujah. So I, on my break, um, was doing a lot of work. I'm working with Sarah Leverett on creating a hypnosis training. So if you're interested in learning about hypnosis, learning a little more in terms of like being the facilitator or understanding how it works or go through a training. Um, stay tuned. That's what I'll say about that. It's a little too early for me to say something, but stay tuned. So I have been busting my fucking ass behind the scenes, um, getting just like the foundational things around that company and that partnership and that training. Uh, Sarah and I have been working on that. And then, of course, I launched Kinship on January 1st, which Kinship, if you're wondering, it's a 2022 membership. And it's really taking the ideas, the through lines of past lives in the divine and just bringing it into a smaller group setting to create more kinship between us. So uh, the podcast for me has been such a blessing in the sense of like I used to feel like I was 
kind of an outcast and a loner in these thoughts and these conversations. And this podcast has not only allowed me to like verbally process all of that, but also get to know more people who feel the same way, which is really, really cool. I wanted to bring that to listeners who wanted more. So in Kinship, if you go to pastlivesinthedivine.com slash kinship, you can read all about it. But we meet once a month um, for a live gathering. Sometimes we do like a question and answer. Sometimes we do a hypnotic journey. Uh, a couple months ago, we had Ashley Sondergaard join us and she led us through some restorative yoga. And then I did the hip hypnotic journey. Um, and then every month they get a special podcast episode. So it has been really fun just getting that up, up off the ground. And anytime I feel like I launch something new, I get a million ideas of what else I could do to it. So <laughs> trying to like log those ideas, take action on some of them and essentially try not to be crushed underneath them. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and then what I'm also doing is more things for podcast listeners or people who aren't in kinship or people who, for whatever reason, don't want to do a past life regression with me. I'm also creating a workshop around, I think it's maybe episode 40 something or 20 something. I don't remember. But the episode is um, essentially using hypnosis to understand your intuition and to use your intuition. And that was something that I wanted to bring to kinship, um, part of meeting monthly and, and having this close contact with a small group. What I want to do is help them like just naturally, the more we do a hypnotic journey, the faster we get where we're going, we can go farther, we can go deeper. And even though not every journey is better than the last. Essentially, we trend in a way just how our human bodies and brains work. The more we do something, the easier it gets for us. And hypnosis and accessing memories is the same. And astrally traveling is the same. The more we do it, the better we get at it. As someone who never identified as like, I still don't identify as like psychic. I bear, I, I'm intuitive, but I say that in the sense of like, we all have intuition. I believe we all have it and I'm intuitive because I'm actually trying to like discover more about it, work with it, um, create a life aligned with my soul and my soul's desires. And knowing that I wanted to help the people in kinship, you know, progress on this journey, understanding their intuition, uh, understanding more about hypnosis, regression, astral travel, whatever you want to call it. We, of course, started off the year in January with a workshop called Understanding Your Intuition. And it's really, again, about using hypnosis to understand your intuition. And so right now what I'm doing is I'm taking the information that I shared with, with the people in my kinship and I created an audio file um, that holds just talking about hypnosis and intuition and then a specific journey for you to begin that work of really creating more of a relationship, more of an understanding with your intuition. Anyway, super excited about that. I'll be talking more about that in a couple weeks when it launches, but um, just stay tuned to this podcast if you want it and make sure to subscribe. And of course, you can always go to pastlivesandthedivine.com slash subscribe to get on my email list. That's a real good way to learn about it all and not miss a thing because we're going to be doing some some fun things this year. So make sure that you're on that email list. Speaking of kinship, so our monthly gathering for the membership, kinship, um, 
in March was a Q&A, kind of like a ask, discuss between Ashley Sondergaard, me, and then the members in Kinship who could make it live. And um, we had so many questions and such good conversation that I probably got to like maybe half the questions. So I said to them, you know what? I will record these and get them back to you. <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, well, shit, you guys probably all want to hear it too. So I'm going to put this in a podcast episode. So we have that to look forward to as well. And first, we are going to discuss what's the difference between a past life reading and a past life regression. All right, are you ready? Gather around the fire for a discussion on readings, regressions, questions and answers. The difference between a past life reading and a past life regression. I don't do readings, um, but I do facilitate past life regressions. So my understanding of a reading, and I'm sure everyone's different and I'm sure everybody's kind of got their own way of doing things, but it's my understanding that in a reading, someone is using their intuition, their understanding, their impulses, what's coming to their mind, they're gaining information from your higher self, your spirit guides, your soul, your soul's memories, your soul's plans for this life. And with that information, they can tell you things like, in a past life, you used to live in the treetops and that's why you like to live in a skyscraper. Or maybe they tell you that in a past life, um, you did something in a faraway land and now it makes sense to you why you felt so at home when you were there. So readings can be very, very validating. They can be fun. They can be entertaining. The reading that I had, having experienced a past life through a hypnotic regression, when I actually had a reading, um, it just wasn't very impactful because <laughs> I, I know what a past life regression is and feels like and what that experience, the profound learning and understanding that it can bring. So when I personally had a past life reading, it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Sounds like a past life I could probably have. Uh, I have kind of running themes in past lives that I've experienced. And the themes are usually like, I'm a loner, I'm an outcast, or I am like a witchy woman, um, kind of like living in the woods who gets killed. So I don't remember what she said, but the past life regressions that I had done at that time, the past lives that I had experienced up until that point, she said something to the effect of like, I was a medicine woman or something in a previous life. And it's like, yeah, that sounds, sounds like it could be true. <laughs> For me, it was really just like entertainment. So a reading again is where someone who is intuitive is reading, is understanding and feeling and knowing through their intuition. They pick up things from your higher self, your soul's memories and plans, and your spirit guides, even ancestors sometimes. And so with that, they can give you information about a past life. So there can be a ton, I mean, obviously that's entertaining, but there can be a ton of healing and validation in that, right? Like if, um, um, like if you've always wondered why something was a certain way and then it kind of makes sense when someone gives you a past life reading, that's great. I mean, obviously I just love past life regression because I 
do it every day and I do a podcast for it. Um, so of course I'm like pro-regression. And the reason I'm pro-regression is, is because um, I don't know if it's a who I am or if it's just me being a product of this productivity culture, but I, when I go and have an experience um, at this point in my life, if I am dealing with intuition my own or someone else's, if I'm getting a reading or having, you know, some sort of other session, I have had so many wonderful, joyful, profound experiences that it's like, when I take the time and the money, if money is a part of the transaction, to do something um, along those realms, I'd rather do something like a regression. So here's the way I explain it. When you go back and regress back to a past life, if it is even a past life, I don't necessarily think that's how it works, but here we are. That's how we're talking about it. So when we go back and experience a past life, I am experiencing it as the client you are experiencing it as the client. So what that means is it's a completely different experience and a completely different takeaway if I tell you, oh, you were a warrior in a past life versus if you did a past life regression and you found yourself living the life scenes of a warrior. And you felt that pride and you felt that courage, that strength, that speed, that fierceness, whatever it is. And now that's awakened within you and your memories and you feel it in your body and you know how it feels when it comes and you know how to use it because you experienced a lifetime in which you did that every single day. So to me, I don't want to just be told that I was a warrior in a past life. Like, I want to fucking take that fierceness and that strength into my life today. And so that is the difference to me between a reading and a regression. A reading would be someone telling you that you had this experience. And a regression is you discovering yourself in that experience and experiencing it as a memory as if you were going through it right now. A question I get a lot is, I'm scared to do a past life regression because I'm scared I will see, you know, a devastating past life, um, a painful ending of the life or whatever it is. And to know that what's so cool about a past life regression is our subconscious mind really kind of filters out anything that we don't need. And so really what's brought to us in the memories of those lives are things that are going to help us, things that maybe have to do with um, the intention we set, the life we live today, maybe answers we've been seeking that we, you know, didn't even bring to this session. So that right there kind of weeds out a lot of like unnecessary violence or scary stuff. And to know I've had plenty of clients who die like a brutal death. I've had plenty of clients who die a brutal death, but like were able to kind of pull out of their body before that, like their soul just naturally did it. Uh, I've had people um, only be able to know certain things happened. I think I was working with, I believe this could be a mashup of a few clients or just one, but um, this uh, woman client was experiencing a past life. I believe in the past life she was a man and she, I think 
think it's my understanding that she was pretty visual throughout the entire session, through every past life scene, uh, really being able to pick up details and kind of get a visual. So in the final scene of that past life, in the final moments or minutes, she didn't see anything. It was only black. And it was from that space in, in the black that she was able to just get information, knowings, understandings that came into her mind where she's like, oh, like essentially like a group of people are, I don't know, beating me to death or something. So there are many ways that our subconscious mind, which is designed to protect us, um, there are many ways for our subconscious mind to like ease that and make it make it um, not as traumatic or destructive if it feels that way, reliving it. It's really, really important to find and work with someone. If you have those fears, find someone you trust and then find someone you trust because you feel like they're well-versed in the sense if you're having a difficult emotional reaction, like for example, of course, I can only speak to my experience. I feel like I do it in the best way that I can, in the best way that I know how. And it's really when I, so right now and for two years, I've only done sessions online over Zoom. I used to do them in person, um, switched online because of the pandemic and have realized that sessions actually are more effective for the client. Um, in that setting, which makes sense right now because most people are at home in their bedrooms, which in order for a hypnosis session to be successful, for you to go farther, deeper, faster, whatever, it's really, really important for the person who is being in the client spot for them to be able to completely relax. So of course, people are going to feel way more relaxed at home. I love that. Works better for people. My clients works better for me. So with that, I always tell the client, or if I think of it, I tell the client, like, just so they know, I'm really not even looking at the video at this point in my career working with clients. I only look at the video in a past life regression. If I hear, um, you know, like an emotional reaction, whether it's kind of like a cry or gasp or deep breathing, um, if there's a long silence or a weird noise, that's really the only time I look. And then when I look, if someone's having an emotional reaction, um, depending on the situation, depending on the goals of the session, depending on where we've been and where I think we're going, it might be a situation where I ask, like, what's behind these tears? Or what's behind this deep breath? How are you feeling? Or is this something that you feel comfortable experiencing? Or do you want to move the scene forward? Or do you want to pull out and watch it like a movie? There are so many ways to get someone through a, like a, a what we might call a difficult scene. Um, but also what we're not remembering is that our soul has already experienced that life. And so our soul knows on a deep level that this ending of that life or a traumatic situation in that life, your soul is less scared because it knows like, this is not who I am right now. <laughs> um, which I'll also say to there, when we're in that hypnotic trance, we are able to be completely physically relaxed. So our mind can step up, expand, grow, explore, uninhibited. 
because when our physical body relaxes and our brain waves begin to move into a more meditative or deeply relaxed state, our conscious mind kind of moves out of the way. And then that's when our subconscious mind can kind of come forward or can come forward with memories or uh, memories of past lives, life between lives, um, your soul's plans for this life, all kinds of things. So when you're in that hypnotic trance, if you're someone who's feeling a little scared, also know that you never feel out of control or like you don't know what's going on. You are completely aware, actually hyper aware of what's going on around you, which makes it easier for you to not only stay aware of like what's going on around you in the room, but it makes you hyper aware of the details coming into your mind, body, spirit, in response to these questions and the journey to this past life. So a few layers there where I just wanna say is you are safe, or I guess I can only really speak to me and like the handful of um, hypnosis people I've had on the podcast, but you are safe in that space. And so what's really important is that you feel safe. So find someone that you feel safe with. Of course, I would love to have you as a client. So if you are like, hey, I want to do a session with her, I can do it as long as you have the internet, we can do a session together. So if you go to pastlivesandthedivine.com, click on work with me and you'll be able to kind of see how to schedule, see what you can schedule, all of that stuff. Okay, so that is essentially a a long explanation on reading versus regression, heavy on the regression side, because I'm obviously like super pro regression. Uh, Yeah, and I guess if I were to break it down with a little bit of an, an analogy and leave it there, the difference between a reading and a regression is like, if I were to tell you step by step, minute by minute, what running a marathon is like. You might get a really good idea of the pain I experienced. You might be able to kind of logically get it. That is very different (laughs) from the experience of you running that marathon Um, and you being there with yourself, getting yourself minute by minute, mile by mile through it. The, um, they're both can be entertaining. They both serve purposes, but I'm just someone who loves to be mindful, grow, change, see that growth, see that change, feel it in me. And so if I'm going to take the time to do something, I'm just going to like do it and have the most profound experience. And for me, that is a past life regression. But, um, yeah, so I, for whatever reason, (laughs) Um, have been experiencing a little bit where people will be like, yeah, I want to get a reading from you. And it's like, I just, you probably know, but I just want you to know that this is not a reading. You are doing the work. (laughs) I am guiding you, but it's all you. So that's the difference between a reading and regression. Um, If you are someone who has had a reading and had a regression and have like a noteworthy experience, whether one was way more impactful than you thought than it would be or vice versa um let me know let me know if you're you know if your point of view is different from mine i would love to hear your experience okay let's get in to these questions so again these questions are from the lovely souls in my kinship 2022 membership Our first question is have you experienced a past life with one of your dogs and i Ah, whoa, I, okay, I am someone who has done too many past life regressions. 
um, I was going to say no. And then I was like, wait, maybe I think so. And I have not experienced a past life with one of my dogs, but I have had plenty of clients who have encountered the essence, the spirit, the soul of their current pet or a pet they had in this life. Um, if that pet, if that pet has passed on, um, they'll feel that pet in uh, in their past life that they're experiencing in the past life regression. And it's so interesting because I've had people who, um, you know, their dog in this life was a horse in a past life. I think that one, Joe, was that you? And then, um, and then I had someone who like their cat in this life was like a cow in a past life. I've had people, you know, where their dog is a dog in this life and a dog in that life. Um, so 100%, I do not know, I, I don't even pretend to know the soul journey of a pet or an animal. Uh, I have read many ideas on what that is, and I kind of like to think of them at this point as almost like an extension of pure universal love and potential. And, um... It's just a reminder of that every day. And I think that that is reason enough to exist. <laughs> so I do think that they can probably evolve with us. Um, my little mama, Roxanne, I feel like she has been with me in a past life. I have not experienced it, but I had um, animal communicator Chris Scanlon, who was on the podcast episode, I believe the last fall at some point, um, she said that in a past life, she thought Roxanne was like a lion and I was not her keeper, but someone who like lived, you know, in community essentially, or our communities overlapped with lions, uh, like wild <laughs> lions, I guess. And I think that's funny because that is totally her personality. Like she is just does her own thing. She is a grown-ass woman. Don't tell her what to do. But also, she's just like a joy to be around. And the next question, are there usually common threads running through a person's regression? Which one happens the most? When I read that question, I think of common threads in a past life experience that clients have who come to me. Right now, I would say the biggest things that are coming through are clients, well, first I'll say clients coming in who are really seeking, like, show me a past life, help me to understand my soul's gifts, show me a past life where I was, like, using my intuition, um, where I wasn't afraid to speak up. So it's really almost like people are in a space where they sense change, they want to make a change, and whether they know what that change is, right? Like whether it's a change in relationship or a change in job or a change where you live, people can feel that. And I think that there's just a certain number of us who, whether it's people who are awakening or whatever that even means, but people who are mindful enough and I don't know, willing to work with that or engage with that. And I think some of us just intuitively feel that we're just drawn in that direction. And I personally believe because we're drawn in that direction because we came here 
to do that work or to that, whatever that step is, it's kind of like a step on our path of whatever we came here to create and be and do in this life. So with that intention, that kind of common thing, theme that is going on right now with clients, and of course not every client has that, um, but a really, really common, I would say almost everybody whose spirit guides or their higher self tells them, you know, get quiet, um, receive, take time for yourself, do things you enjoy and it's really almost pushing people to stop seeking and start creating space to receive and a really easy way that I think of when I think of doing that is like anytime I can be fully present in the space of like focusing on what's in front of me and not focusing on how do I look when I do this? What are people thinking about me or thinking about something that's going to happen in the future or something that happened in the past? When I'm in a space where I can be truly present and just observe the world around me, um, and that includes the world within me, I guess, where those ideas can drop in and come through, we need to pause and be quiet and just observe, observe what's going on around us, observe what's going on within us. And it's everybody's uh, guidance from their spirit guides and their higher self maybe looks a little different based on where they live or how they live their life or the hobbies that they do. But everybody is encouraged to get outside. I mean, I, I just... If I had a fucking dollar for every time someone's spirit guides told them to go out in nature, it is so, so common for spirit guides to say that. The reason I believe that is because in nature, there is so much to look at. Like, even if your nature is like walking out of your building and maybe to a boulevard of grass or looking at a weed that's growing up through the sidewalk. There are so many things to make us wonder and grab our attention and so many things to look at, so many things going on in nature around us that we just don't even observe. And that is a really great way to be present is like, finding things that make us curious, finding things that make us feel joy, and then also, too, putting our body and our minds and our eyeballs in a space where it's easier to be present. Um, It's not really easy to be present if I'm coloring and listening to an audiobook. Like, it's very, very soothing. I need that a lot right now, but I'm not necessarily getting, I'm not receiving information. Uh, There's a lot of input being had with like the audiobook or the podcast I'm listening to, but there's not a lot of space to like just be. And that's the most common thing is that people are searching for whether it's their own intuition, their own gifts, tapping into what that means in their life today, or if it's just like understanding what the next step is or understanding how to deal with a relationship or a situation spirit guides are really big theme is like receive how are you receiving the information 
your wisdom, the wisdom of your soul and your higher self, guidance from the enlightened beings around you, who you're giving permission to get guidance from. It's really about finding a space where you can receive. And for some people that's journaling and for some people that's going on a walk in nature and for some people that's meditation. But all the spirit guides are saying that. Receive, 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 get quiet, be open, observe the world around you, observe the world within you. And I think a really easy way to do that is to get in nature. And, um, you know, get in nature. And that's even something, if a spirit guide says that, I'm like, what does that mean to this person, right? Like, Um, getting into nature means something different for everybody. Some people, they need to be like, you know, hundreds of miles down a trail in the wilderness, haven't seen someone in days. And for some of us, getting in nature is like literally, hey, that one tree on your block, go stand beside it for a little bit. (laughs) So even getting in tune with what are our beliefs of what do I need to do to receive And then, um, why am I not doing that? And I think that receiving is, is a big block for a lot of us. We feel like we're not getting that information from our spirit guides. We feel like we can't connect to our intuition. We feel so lost. And I think it's because we don't, I think it's because in order to get that information, a lot of the time we need to get quiet, understand what that is, spend time alone you know, be present, get curious, understand, and just spend time observing the world around us, doing nothing, essentially. And in a productivity culture, like we all live in in this world, it's that alone, I think is a really good gateway to to healing, to evolution. It's like the moment we stop and be still, we will start to feel guilty for all the shit we should be doing. We will maybe start to feel shame. What if so-and-so knew knew we were doing nothing? Um, All of these stories come up. And as frustrating or annoying or difficult as that can seem, again, if we can get into a space where we're just like open and curious and not judging and not trying to direct the situation, we can actually say, hey, every time I try to fucking sit down and be quiet and receive or lay on my back in the backyard for five minutes and look up at the sky, man, there's a voice in my head that starts telling me all the reasons why I shouldn't be doing this. And that's a really great way in, right? Like it could be like, oh, I I don't feel like I've done enough to take a break. Oh, well, not good enough to take a break. Not good enough for pleasure. There's something to explore. And all of these uh, things that can kind of get conjured up when we start going outside the norm and start to slow down and start to carve out time to receive. And it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. Uh, When we do that, so many things will block us and it's all like programming and, and where... I live in the United States. It's like, I see it as like productivity culture. Um, Just 
the patriarchy. Women are supposed to be doing, doing, doing. And, you know, all the work is never going to be done. But if, as a woman, I'm meant to do all of the work and that's the only time that I can relax or the only time that I can feel good enough to take a break or justify to take a break, like, the world is working against, like, that one piece. And I just think that that intersection of, like, I need to slow down and receive, but for whatever reason, I won't dig into those thoughts, dig into that self-talk, dig into the fears behind it, dig into the beliefs behind it, journal about it, meditate on it, think about it, talk to a friend about it, trust the insights and the wisdom that comes in, trust the things that come out of your mouth and you're like, yes, now it makes sense to me. Um, it's really, it, that is the most common theme. Is like, get quiet, go within, get curious, spend time in joy, slow down, receive. And the spirit guides think nature is a good way to do that. And I believe that is to be true as well. And I believe, notice all the fucking thoughts that come in when you start trying to do that. And understand the fears and beliefs beneath it. And then like, that's the next step on the path. Um... I went from, so in 2009, I like formed my LLC. That's when I kind of say I started my entrepreneurship journey, even though it started technically a lot earlier than that. Like even, ooh, even like, I would say like 2002. Anyway, um, I was a fucking awful boss to myself. Uh, I was probably the worst boss I've ever had and I've had some real fucking assholes <laughs> in my careers or in my many, many jobs over my life. I was constantly pushing myself to work more, more, more. I wasn't gonna let myself take a break until I had done X, Y, and Z, but X, Y, and Z wasn't just three things. It was like 3,000 things, really. Might be three things I wrote on my list, but really each thing on my list has 15 things to do. And I eventually burned myself out so much um, that I had to essentially I was work I was losing my hair I basically like felt like I couldn't process food everything I ate including smoothies which are basically chewed for you uh, just made me feel like bloated and sluggish and just made me get stomach cramps it was my body was basically just like stop please <laughs> and through a long series of events trying to figure this out over a few years fast forward, skipping a lot of things. But one of the things that I chose to do and was recommended to do by a woman that I was working with was to like stop working in the afternoons unless I absolutely had to. Like my job, part of my job was recovery. And holy shit, like I can even think of, I remember, um, she, this woman who I was working with, she was an acupuncturist, or is an acupuncturist. She gave me, like, <clears throat> certain herbs to put on and, like, a heat pack to put on. And I had to sit like that for 30 minutes a day. And that's kind of where I started. It was like, I can't just not work in the afternoon. Like, what the fuck? And so it was really just like, I remember at 3 o'clock, that's what I felt like, like, 
that was my absolute push like that. It's like, I can't stop working before three o'clock. And I would, I would, I would take the heat pack and that was like my thing to do. Like I had to sit on the couch for 30 minutes with this heat pack with these herbs on my stomach to help. I don't know. I don't even remember what we were doing, but just basically helping my body recoup from the decades of like stress and no boundaries and being an empath and not knowing that and just how depleting that can be when we don't know how to deal with that and what that means to us. And wow, the, the, the fears and the beliefs that the fears that would come in and the beliefs that were discovered under those fears really rocked my world. And I went from having a hard time stopping work at 3 p.m. and having a hard time not working on weekends. And when I say a hard time, I mean, it wasn't like I had to tell people no, like I fucking worked for myself. Like I had to dig into myself and understand why I was doing this to myself. And I think that when we slow down, it just ignites so much of our work that we can do if we want to, uh, to make life a little bit easier. But now, um, mo every day is a little bit different, but if I were to say like a typical day, which isn't really a typical day, but like in the morning it's client work. Um, every once in a while I'll see clients, um, in the evenings, afternoons are less so. So in the morning is really when I work, like it, from 7 a.m. to noon, like that is, I am the sharpest, I am the clearest. Uh, after that, you're kind of getting, <laughs> you're getting the B team in my brain. And that's okay. And I think that's fine. I, I love how Glennon Doyle says she's an author. She has a podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, which I cannot fucking recommend enough. But she's like, when I wake up in the morning, I care the most. And by noon, I don't. <laughs> I care the least. And I, I, I don't know if I ever care the most. But for me, it's like that I, I feel that in me. I, it's not those words, but I feel that in me. And I think of like in the morning, that is when I shine. That's where I'm the sharpest. I have the most energy. And then it's really like the second half of the day that I, it works best for me to be in a space of receiving. So even if I choose to work, even if I, if I need to work, if I have a client or some other commitment, that's totally fine. But if it's just a regular day and the back half of the day I can keep clear, I do. Um, and that's when if I'm working on something that maybe needs a lot of creativity, I might spend time just like sitting outside thinking about it, letting my mind wander. Or I might um, just do a task that I need to do at home that's, you know, like cleaning or vacuuming or laundry where I can kind of let my mind wander. And it's almost like I am intentionally keeping my mind in a space of wonder and like brainstorm about whatever it is that I feel like I need guidance on and not in a space of seeking and, but would this work? And I mean, sometimes I go there for sure, but I, it's really like moving to a space of like feeling good and getting creative. And most of the time 
that's happening when I'm outside. And in the afternoon, that's when I like to reserve just time for me to work out. So if I'm going to take my dogs on a walk that afternoon, uh, if I'm in charge of their walk that afternoon, we'll go on a long walk together. Or if I'm just working out, I like to move my body an hour and a half, two hours a day. And in that space, that's where I'm getting a ton of ideas. And for me right now, I no longer think, I no longer think that 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 is shameful, lazy, or anything like that. The business I have today, the podcast episodes listening you're listening to today, all the stuff that I've thought of for kinship, everything that I'm working on in the hypnosis training that I'm doing with Sarah Leverett, all of these ideas have come to me in the afternoons or the evenings when I'm being slow and intentionally receiving. I'm sitting in the backyard. Sometimes I'm literally laying in the sun for a little bit um, or for, you know, like an hour in the afternoon, in the summer. Sometimes I'm out taking a walk. Sometimes, who knows? Like, whatever it is, I try to carve out space and leave space in my day to receive. So that is the common thread running through a person's regression. There it is. How do I get this information? And then it's the spirit guides and the higher self saying, slow down, get quiet, do nothing, receive, receive, like be open to receive. Don't be putting input in. You don't always have to be scrolling on your phone. Like that's not where it's happening. And a book that I would recommend, two books, um, Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff and Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. Those two books, I think, are a really good place to start if you're like, okay, what do I, how do I slow down? How do I receive? Do Nothing is such a good book for that. Oh my God, it's so good. Uh, I hope I'm not overselling it, but it's a book that I keep on my phone. I always listen to books. I listen to more books than I actually read with my eyeballs. But I keep it on my, um, I keep it on my phone, and it's it's a book that I listen to if I'm like say walking through an airport, and I don't necessarily want to be totally paying attention to it, but like the overhead speakers, hearing people's conversations in an airport, it's just I don't like it, uh, and so to have something kind of neutral but positive, informative, and something that I'm striving for, doing more nothing in my ears. So that's a book that I keep coming back to over and over. And then um, that self-compassion book, that book is fantastic. If you feel like the moment you try to slow down or the moment you try to do something for yourself, you start feeling guilty or ashamed or you start shit-talking yourself as to why you shouldn't be doing this or who would be thinking, what would so-and-so think if you were doing this? Those two books are great. Okay, this next question. This member would like to know about some of my daily rituals and just like why I have them. Uh, what are they, if I'm willing to share? And I would love to share some of my daily rituals. So this kinship member actually mentioned in her question that she gets enough rest, she's taking anti-anxiety meds, moving her body in ways that honor it, and drinking water. And I would say, like, those those are actually my big ones right now. Um, 
And I will include in that things, eliminating things that, you know, stress me out unneedingly, like um, having a ton of things scheduled on one day. I hate, I just, I feel very claustrophobic and anxious and just experience a lot of dread when I have like, okay, I have to do this and then I have to do this. And I mean, not necessarily having a list of things to do, but like at this time I'm meeting this person to do this thing. And then I have to go over here and go to this appointment. And then I have to go over there and go to that appointment. Like I try to keep it as few things as possible in a day as much as I can. And that was something that the pandemic really opened my eyes to was how much, how rejuvenating an afternoon slash evening is for me if I know I just don't have anything on my schedule. And it's totally okay if I feel like I have to do a little work or if I want to get a few things accomplished, but to not have to be anywhere or meet anyone just makes me feel really, really free and expansive and abundant. And truly feeling that, feeling that in my life, feeling like I have control over that, really, really helps with my anxiety levels. So that I know for sure. Another thing that came up with the pandemic, I have a few times in my life like gone on and gone off anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication. I see it as a way to, I don't know, sometimes my emotions are very so loud and so erratic that it's it's just like I can't even decide like what's the best step forward because everything just seems like a nightmare and everything just seems awful and like it's never going to end. And so in that space, um, whenever I'm feeling like that, that's when I'll work with my doctor and go back on the medication just to kind of let the dust settle, take a fucking deep breath, um, and and then find a way forward. So the pandemic really just amplified just a lot in me. I mean, I think that most of us are in that boat. Uh, just the stress is high. I almost feel like if you're not struggling mentally, not necessarily that you should or shouldn't be on medication. I'm obviously not a doctor and you are not here for medical advice. But I, I think it's important to be able to see when, when we need a break, whether it's like I need just a break, balance out my emotions, put me on some antidepressant, anti-anxiety meds for a bit. Or if it's um, just like I need a break, like I've had commitments every night this week and this night I don't have any commitments and I'm going to keep it that way. But being able to give myself that break and um, and be able to not have like runaway feelings of dread or guilt or anxiety about whether I should or shouldn't be taking a break. So it's really about like clearing things a little bit for me. Um, and, and balancing things out a little bit for me so I can get a better grip on it. I just think, I don't know, like, I, I don't know who you are or how you function if you are, um, not struggling mentally and aware of everything that's going on in this world, like pandemic, war. Yeah. I mean, 
racism, classism. I mean, just all, there's so much. I can't even list it all. There's so much shit going on that it's like, yeah, I'm going to need a little medicine right now to, <laughs> to help me through this. Uh, if you have any questions about like medication, that sort of thing, getting on it, getting off of it, I am not your resource. So do not email me. <laughs> Talk to your doctor. Getting enough rest is huge. Uh, so I go to sleep pretty early every night. And that to me has just always come naturally, even as a kid and when I was in college. my I feel like my whole life made fun of how early I go to sleep. <laughs> at this point in my life or well I'm coming out of winter in Minnesota but man when it's dark at like four o'clock and so cold I'm in my jammies by seven and I am in bed by 8 30 on a good night okay so rest anti-anxiety meds um clearing my schedule when I can and moving my body is huge. I used to have all kinds of stories around exercise. What counted as exercise, what didn't count as exercise, how much exercise I needed. And that was always based on how I felt I looked physically or whether I was eating good or not. And I just, I think that all of that is bullshit. And all of that keeps us in a cycle of seeking that. When I was in that state of mind, I dreaded my workouts. I would bail on my workouts whenever I could. <laughs> I would half-ass it through them and then feel guilty sometimes about that. Um, yeah, I was not nice to myself about it. Like I would even use language like, oh, it's time for a punishment workout. And I have completely done a 180. I move my body for an hour and a half, two hours a day. And when I say I move my body, that's what it is. I move my body. Some days I feel like biking really hard for who knows, an hour, two hours. I don't know. And some days I just don't feel like doing that at all. And so then it's just like an easy walk or stretching or just like some gentle yoga while I'm watching TV or um oh yeah and of course I have three dogs that need to be walked every day twice a day <laughs> they typically walk two hours a day for sure so between Alex and I um that is a good way to get activity and sometimes it's kind of like a run walk and it's sweaty and I'm panting and some days it's like super easy and I'm not even in a proper exercise bra. So I really, really listen to my body and have gotten really, really good at trusting what my body is telling me and trusting that it will be okay and trusting that my body knows what's best for my body. Not the billboard, not the magazine ads, none of that shit. Like not the exercise equipment people, no one. And at this point in my life, I have never felt better, like mentally, or I mean mentally, I'm, st I'm struggling, just see previous posts about the anti-anxiety meds. But I feel like physically and, and my mindset about my body and how I feel in my body, I've never felt so good, so confident, so trusting, 
so much like we're on the same team as opposed to I'm always trying to fucking control it or wrestle with its desires or whatever. So that is really, really big for me, um, is moving my body on the days I don't move my body. By the end of the day, even if I feel physically tired, it's like my mind can just get so nasty. And it's almost like, um, I don't know if it's just like built up energy or what it is, but I just don't feel great. And I don't know how to explain it besides like, I just feel like I have too much energy in my body. That's where I'm at in my life right now. It feels really, really good. And that is another practice that came in during the pandemic or kind of got cemented during the pandemic. It's just a, a reason to also like get out. And it, it feels so good to get out and walk. I mean, walking is like one of my favorite things to do. So moving my body, which usually includes walking and just listening to my body. Sometimes it's a harder workout. Sometimes it's a lighter workout. And sometimes it happens all at once, and sometimes it happens piece by piece throughout the day. I just do what feels good. You know, I'm like that dork in the airport that's like speed walking or stretching out or doing yoga moves in the corner. I just don't care anymore. (laughs) It feels really, really good. And I recommend like for sure, that's another thing too, is I'm noticing more and more as I listen to my body and I like think of us on the same team. It's really easy for me to see things, like I used to think, oh, flying always makes me super bloated or all these other things that I think that used to just be a given. And it's like, well, I personally don't get bloated or not as bloated like when I'm flying if I'm moving my body instead of just like sitting in this chair and then sitting in this chair and then sitting in this chair. So even if it is just standing at the gate and rocking side to side or like, stretching or walking laps, whatever. I, I just, I don't think we move our bodies enough. And I think that's a bigger problem than we think. And if any of that sounds like something you might want to try, that's what's working for me. But of course, like take it, uh, if it feels good, otherwise just leave it. Those are my big things, like getting rest, anti-anxiety medication, moving my body, um, kind of clearing my schedule, Drinking enough water, for sure. I try to drink 100 ounces of water a day. I feel like these are such weird uh, details to give. I don't know. I'm feeling self-conscious about it. But um, yeah, so that's what I do. And uh, that is literally it. I'm not meditating right now. I mean, I kind of consider my walks outside meditation. But I don't have like a formal meditation practice. I am this is two days old. (laughs) Um, I bought the book The Artist's Way and I read it after, I don't know, so, I bet it's been so far over a decade, but a decade at least of having people recommend me this book. And I bought a nice notebook and I write my morning pages and So far, so good. Uh, No big revelations, but oddly enough, I feel just like pleasantly lighter when I'm done. So The Artist's Way, look that book up. It is by Julia Cameron. Okay, the next question 
It says, I like how you consistently say, take what you need and leave the rest. It's a form of detachment, which is a practice I'm trying to embody. Uh, however, I have noticed that sometimes in the spiritual community, you run into opinions, opinions that seem kind of far out there on real world topics. I'm thinking about spiritual gurus who stridently believe that getting COVID or proactively seeking out ways to get COVID is part of a spiritual path. And that climate crisis is a part of Mother Earth's natural awakening process. For me personally, I do not believe those things, so I obviously leave that behind. So I guess my question is, how can we continue to explore spiritual communities, stay open to new ideas, also maintain detachment when we encounter something that feels off to us? Has this happened to you? Okay, so I this question kept coming back in my brain after kinship met for our monthly gathering in March. And I think it was because the first time I answered it, um, I kind of went off on a tangent, of course. <laughs> and then I don't, and then for whatever reason, I kept thinking about the question and was like, I don't think I did a good job answering it. And it's just a question I think that we need to, or I need to, needed to think about. So what I will say is, it sounds, I'm making the assumption that that it seems like it's disappointing to the woman who asked this question. It's Nikki, it seems like this is disappointing when we encounter this, right? Like we show up, we're really digging this message and then they we find out this person supports something that we think is total bullshit. So, I wish I was so grown and evolved that I could be like, here's how you do it. Or I don't know, share a story that would, that would change it for you. But when I look at this, I think I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I really, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I aim to be, I strive to be loving, compassionate, and open to everybody. But yeah, of course, I'm a fucking human. There are people out there who like, don't believe racism still exists. And it's like, I just can't. How do you believe that? Like, when I hear something like that, it's like, always a white person that says it. <laughs> uh, but that makes me feel like, oh my gosh, you're under a rock, you know, like, I have all kinds of judgments about that. And I'm going to read the last part of this question again, because I think it actually holds the answer. So the last part said, how, how can we continue to explore spiritual communities, stay open to new ideas, but also maintain detachment when we encounter something that feels off to us? And I actually think that that's not a question. It's actually the process is to explore spiritual communities or explore communities that you're interested in, spiritual or not. Stay open to new ideas. Listen. Maybe be mindful of the thoughts that are coming up in your own mind and reaction to that. Analyzing that if it feels like it should happen. And then in the question, it says, stay open to new ideas, but main but also maintain detachment. And I'm saying that's not a but, that's an and. So explore the communities, stay open to new ideas, and 
maintain detachment when you encounter something that feels off to you. So what this says to me is like if if people do something or something changes or shifts and it feels off to us, I have stopped personally asking why and instead just trusted it. I've started to just trust it. This feels off. I'm out of here. This doesn't feel good anymore. I don't need to be here. And I I don't think it's bad that I didn't avoid it up front. I think it's great that we notice when something feels off to us. And then from there, we can take it wherever we want. Maybe, maybe it's someone who you're shocked to find out, feels a certain way about a topic that you feel the opposite way on, and it breaks your heart a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's something to dig into. Like, what is the heartbreak there? And is there fear there? What's the belief underneath it? What's the belief that we have or I have about a person who believes that? So it really is a way to just be in situations, being open to ideas and monitoring how we feel about them and whether they feel like our truth or not. And knowing that sometimes people have different truths and that's actually the norm. <laughs> when I first read this question, I just thought of like, I feel like a fucking alien because I don't like most people who I like, I feel like a dick because most of the time when I listen to a spiritual podcast, I'm just like, oh my God, like Either the person is like completely disconnected from real life and real life struggles or they're, um, you know, completely wrapped up in the guru mentality and, you know, ooh, this is my secret sauce. I'm not going to share it with anybody and, you know, just weird secrecy. And I guess as I listen to myself talk this out, this is maybe my long way of saying <laughs> I'm such an asshole that I don't like most of these people right up front. So, so Nikki, I think it's great that you find something to love about these people and then are, you know, unfortunately disappointed when they don't reach those standards um, and you find out they're proactively seeking out ways to get COVID, which, hey, knock yourself out, but motherfucker, if you are seeking out ways to get COVID, do not be spreading that shit. Like, <laughs> like quarantine yourself, like take care of other people while you're doing what you do. Like don't be putting that on other people. Don't be walking around spreading that shit. Yeah, I mean, it just, it takes a lot for me to not feel like I'm being fucked over by someone for whatever reason, my hackles just go up. And I think it's because uh, probably, you know, growing up, in Catholicism, you know, going to church and going to religion class and all of that, I'm sure I have like deep-seated, um, you know, trust issues with that. I'm sure, I don't know, who the fuck knows, but most of the time I'm just not interested in it. So I don't know, maybe that's also why I'm more obsessed with journeying on my own and creating my own, my own podcast, my own people. And I will even give myself a break there and say, it's even not even that I don't like these people. It's just, 
not interesting enough for me to stay captivated by it. And people lose me when they talk in really grand absolutes, like, it's like this on the other side. Um, you know, if they're not pushing me to find my own answers and they think they know better, like all of that stuff, it just makes me feel uneasy and at the very least uninterested. So I wish I had a better answer for that. So my answer, I guess, short is like, I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'm an asshole in a different way. And I think it's progress. I think it's good that you are able to enjoy these communities and these people and then feel start to feel it when it feels off to you. And to know like that is a dance and that is a journey. Because the more you feel that feeling of being off, the easier it gets to identify like what it is that's off and what needs to change. And the more we do that, the easier it is to feel what's off because so much shit feels so good. It's so on, <laughs> in alignment. Um, so then when something feels off, it's just like, ugh, what's that? It's even easier to feel it, know it, understand it, see it. So still not a good answer, but I feel like it's a better answer. I owed you a better answer. I knew I could do it better. Okay, my final question that I am going to do here, I got other questions that were about having a podcast, having a spiritually based company, and what's it like to be a hypnotist, hypnotherapist, transpersonal hypnotherapist. And those questions are so good. I am going to do a podcast episode about those questions. So stay tuned. Okay, last question. Can you fix your scheduling link on your website? <laughs> uh, it's not broke. I am booked through the summer. So as I have the past few years or the past, I don't know, three years, I think I've done it like every summer, I like to go light on my client load, a little bit lighter because I just love like working in the yard and having plenty of time to just be outside and enjoy summer and enjoy the light and the warmth and the smells and why the fuck not? <laughs> I can, so I'm going to. Okay, so that's why I'm booked up. That's why you can't. I put an email grabber on that page. So if you want to schedule a session with me, go to pastlivesandthedivine.com, click on work with me, schedule your session. And once you get to that page, if there is no open appointments, you can go ahead and put your name on the email list. That's right there. And then you will get an email like midsummer. I'm going to send an email to my list letting, letting them know first that I open up my schedule for the fall when that happens. So hop over to that email list. And another question that I can't believe I get this question so much. I can't believe it. I've been doing sessions over Zoom for two years and I still get the question, 
do you do sessions online? Or worse, I still get people go, I wish I was in Minnesota, I'd come see you. And it's like, well, do you have internet? <laughs> you could see me. So uh, it doesn't matter where you are. If you have internet, go to the, my website, pastlivesinthedivine.com, and you can schedule your session there. You can also see how much they are. You can see what types of session I offer. Take a crack at it. And that is our episode, the first one back. And when I say our and we, I'm talking about you and me. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you found this conversation valuable and you want to complete this little energetic exchange between us, you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or you could forward this episode to someone who you might think would appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. And of course, I appreciate you just being here, being open to this journey. Take what feels good and just leave the rest.